We didn't start any fight. What's he saying? I did. Now I'll gas soft metal. How's much if I run that? Oh, he's getting mad. You know it. What you say? Then what? I get the hot juice. Mac and out from now. When this house no more. Bring this house bitch out. Oh no no. Bring it in the north. Bring it in the north. Now we got this war in their house. Here we are. everybody, welcome back to another episode of Toffee Cafe Cast, where we talk all things, uh, films, TV, video games, history, conspiracies, uh, all that under the sun. I am joined, of course, by my co-host, Restaurants. <laughs> and um, yeah, today we're going to be looking at um, Tenet. So uh, yeah, Tenet. So uh, the film that's, uh, that's out in cinemas right now... Um, I would say definitely go and see it. This is going to be a spoiler review, by the way. So those of you who are looking at, like, you know, a non-spoiler review, don't listen to this uh, podcast episode because there's a lot to talk about on it. Uh, yeah, well, but, you but sh- make sure you listen to it when uh, when you watch the film. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah. Because we're going to talk a lot about, like, you know, like uh, the theories and yeah. stuff, like the, the law behind it and all, and all that. Um, well, where it sits in the... Nolan's world of films. So um, you've seen it twice, haven't you? I've only yeah. seen it once. Yeah. Can I ask you, when you saw it the second time, did it did, did it make sense? Like, make more sense? Yeah. The second time? Um, so obviously, yeah, straight into spoilers, um, sort of the, the role that Neil has to play makes much more sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, right at the beginning, sort of like things I missed the first time around, like um, Neil's backpack with the little... Um, the keychain, yeah, the keyring thing. You yeah. instantly notice that when yeah. uh, he kills the uh, man at the beginning to save the protagonist. Yeah, he uses the inverted round. Yeah. So they say like, "Oh, who's that guy?" And it's like, "Oh, I don't know." Like, so and he just vanishes. Instantly, you realize that. And um, as, as well, when uh, the, the protagonist meets Neil, um, he instantly knows like how, what he drinks. Yeah, you know, and he doesn't drink on the job and all that stuff. So yeah, it, yeah, it, it's it's really good. It's a bit of like yeah. um, it's one of those like Nolan films where you, you know, on second viewing or sort of like with more immersion, really, you you really understand, you know, you understand to a greater degree yeah. what yeah. he's going for. You know, yeah, because example, if you like watch Memento for the first time, you don't sound Memento. Yeah, the way it's like written as well, and the narrative yeah. is very complex especially yeah. for a film at that time what came yeah. out in like 2000 or 2002 i think 2002 yeah. then also then you had an inception as well which yeah. even after watching it five times i still don't fully yeah. get it well and even like even like the prestige yeah in the you prestige know stuff like and, that Brilliant. and interstellar, interstellar as well well yeah. i'll say interstellar makes sense it i thought for me interstellar does make sense until it comes to the whole time travel thing yeah, where yeah. he's like in his, in his daughter's like in the wall and stuff. Like. Yeah, he's in that. Um, yeah, that, I think they when... call it. I think they call it the tesseract. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Nolan, you know, he's he's able he's able to make these films that like 
you can rewatch again, you can pick things out. So you can obviously watching it first time, um, it can uh, obviously obviously if you don't get it, then you might give it a bad review, which I yeah. think is not fair because this is the type of film I like does take a risk. Yeah. Like in that way, like but you shouldn't really like obviously I've seen some people like not liking this film because of its confusing plot and stuff. Well well yeah. that's Nolan. That's no Nolan's films are confusing like yeah. even like if you don't fully know like because mm. Dunkirk had a different like time uh jump didn't it like, yeah time was all over the place in that film if you don't understand that then you would not get the film mm. i mean the only films that really does make sense to watch and you get it it's like the dark night trilogy because it's just yeah a, it's just this... a normal narrative yeah it's, it's more yeah. like uh yeah as you said and it's more sort of like a mainstream sort of like yeah narrative exactly as well. exactly yeah, yeah. Well, this film is like obviously blockbuster, but it's not that mainstream. Yeah. And so, when you watch it the first time, you shouldn't. I've seen critics who watch it the first time and they review it because they don't get it. Yeah. But it's like, well, you like don't come up with the actual judgment and overall like score for it until you watch it a second time. Yeah. I think it's one of those, it's one of those, like it's like watching Westworld, like. Watching Westworld, you finish a whole season like, oh, I don't really get this. And you give a bad review. Well, if you yeah. go back and rewatch Westworld, season one, I'm talking about, then yeah. you'll get it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I totally agree on, like, what you're saying. Like, it doesn't really apply for, like, season two or three, necessarily. Yeah, because yeah. It's yeah. just too pretentious, but then... And season three is very much straightforward now. It's, tra- it's quite yeah. a mainstream thing with season yeah. three. You get it. Mm. Well, season two, I can understand why, what people... Or saying when they were criticizing season two, yeah. and I, you know, I think it's just the way it was like written, yeah. where there mm. was different like timelines doing, yeah. and it, and yeah, and obviously trying to pick up the pieces and all that. This film, this film, it is going gets quite is gets quite confusing at times, but you can still it pick does. out stuff. Yeah, yeah. The um the inversion, like I think it's it's purposefully done to confuse you because yeah obviously like you know backwards sort of like time um you know it's not meant to like make sense because it is literally backwards yeah so, yeah this is not yeah. like this is this is very different than a lot of time travel films i've seen yeah because i mean past. like you know the, the, i remember like in the the who like press junkets and stuff like they were um i'm not sure if it was nolan but or like a couple of actors but they were saying like it's not time travel and I mean, te- technically it isn't. It's just reversing time. Yeah, it's reverse. Yeah, yeah. time reverse. Yeah. That's it. And I like, oh, you know, like in the films, like they're saying, like you're still thinking linearly. And yeah. when when they when they um, said that, I just kept on thinking about um, Back to the Future when Doc yeah. Brown just said, like, yeah. you're not thinking fourth dimensionally. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I got to say, like, out of all like Nolan's films, this is the one which made me. I wasn't fully immersed. Because there was some parts which were, uh, it was it was almost like he was too like, um, too, divest, um, sorry, like too invested in his own like themes and stuff. In that, so it, it pulled you out really like out of the movie. Um, for for, um, for instance, I thought the um, give me one sec, I made notes. Um, yeah, so um, how he wanted to make this film a sort of like a, a James Bond-esque uh, globe-trotting like spy flick. 
And it was almost a bit of like, oh, we need to get this to get this to progress the plot. So it was like, get the MacGuffin to get the next MacGuffin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I thought that was a bit, oh, you know, I, I thought this was about like, what has this got to do with sort of like inversion and stuff? So well, it, it, maybe it, that's just me, but... It, I think it's obviously reverse time. Yeah. The, the thing they were going for. They needed like an actual plot to make, yeah. to make that work. Otherwise, I don't think the, 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 the film will work. So how many haven't been like a spy yeah. film, or you have to collect this like MacGuffin and stuff like that for this? Mm. I think it, it. I think that is a good kind of setting for it, like a, a yeah. plot plot device. Yeah. Otherwise, um, then it's like the whole film is just going to be like time reversal. They're like, yeah. well, how are we going to use this time reversal? Yeah. Like in what context? And I yeah. feel like having it in like this a spy mm. film genre. Yeah. Does work. Um. I gotta say, even on second view, when I thought the sound mixing was pretty bad, I think, I think with this film, one thing, I, one of the things I can curse of this film is definitely the sound mixing, and I it's, don't yeah. see the point. And it's okay, it's great because it, it's all about immersive. Like you know, you've got like definitely Ludwig yeah. Granson's like great score. I I um, cannot fault uh, Goranson's uh, score. Goranson's it is score, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know, it's it, obviously Hans Zimmer is wasn't directing to do the score for this film because he was doing Dune, so yeah. um, score. But Granson did a really great job. It's a very different, like it's it, it's a very different score than what um, you usually see. And in and it's like he does it in reverse as well. Yeah. So that it's it's quite interesting. Um, it's but, interesting. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But. Um, as I was saying, like the sort of the sound mixer, you know, and and it's, it's quite loud as well. Yeah. So sometimes you're like, there's like, you know, like what the um, sound effects going off, like explosions, gunshots, and stuff. And then when it's action scenes, obviously, like the score is like really like loud. Yeah. But, um, but then people then are talking. Exactly. Yeah. Those scenes where they actually obviously exposition, they explain stuff. You don't get it. Yeah. Um, and I and I struggled with that as well. Like, there, it, like I think one of the scenes I struggled with was a scene where, um, oh, what was it? What was her name? Um, was the protagonist are talking to um, Kat, right? No, no, no. Was it it's Priya? Priya, Priya, Priya. And it, she's talking about like why you know about like why the, the future wants to destroy the past and stuff. And I didn't yeah. understand it because it was just like. It was just like noises going off, like music, and it was yeah. really loud. Yeah. It wasn't like you know, like action yeah. music, but it was just like music. Yeah. I was like really loud in the background, yeah. and I. This was um, this was a problem I had, like not not a lot. I mean, I was we were literally just talking about Dunkirk before we started, but um, I love Dunkirk. It's a really great film, but some of the scenes where like um, especially with like the fighter pilots and the Spitfires, their dialogue is muffled. Yeah, and it, it wasn't that bad um, an issue in that film because it was a small part of the movie. But yeah. in this one, it takes on more like center stage. Like you have valuable exposition, which is um, which is done with two um, uh, either like main or supporting characters, and they're both wearing these masks, giving like this dialogue, and you can't understand it. Yeah, yeah, that's another example. And on top of that is the music, and it makes it even more like you're straining to make out. And yeah, I, I'd argue that it, it causes you to you can't appreciate the music then because you're trying to listen to the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, and it's not 
and you're just fo- trying to focus on one thing, aren't you? So you're yeah, not, yeah. Like, if you don't want to listen to music, you're not appreciating the dialogue. If you're listening, want to listen to the dialogue, you know, you can't appreciate the music. Yeah. And obviously, this is the idea of Nolan trying to make people immersed into the film. Yeah. But in a film like this, dialogue is the most important. Definitely, yeah. Because it's... it's um, I'd say... For for a big blockbuster, it's an original concept. Yeah. But I'd say it has been explored before. Like I've obviously posted on our Instagram stuff about Red Dwarf doing it before. Yeah. But the way they conduct it is very original. Yeah. You know how like they, they explain about like you know uh, temporal pincer movements and stuff. But um, yeah, like I I don't know I have a a misgiving over some of the scenes being used for pri- primarily just exposition. Like yeah. the, um, it reminds me of like um, a Michael Bay film, and that's that's a sinful comparison, really. But it it does like they're in a really like beautiful area, and they wear nice clothes and stuff, and they're given like this exposition dumps, and it just it's like wow, like look look at the fancy like place we're in, look, you know, and like don't listen to all this boring exposition. That's what it reminded me of. Did you, you know, find that there was a lot of exposition dump in Inception? Um, not really, because I thought it was quite valuable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or if it was, it was related to the scene they were in, and the scene wasn't just primarily used for exposition. Yeah, what I found this film is, it's like a big action scene, and then it's like two characters talking for like a scene. Yeah. And then yeah. it'd be like another action scene. Hmm. And um, I thought there was a lot of like deus ex machina almost in the film. Yeah. Especially... Um, the protagonist gets inverted. Um, he does that car chase. So he's been sent back in time, does the car chase. And then he, um, he got, he's in that car fire. Yeah. And then he sort of like, the car freezes up and then he wakes up and he's fine. It, it, it almost reminded me like um, like a, a video game sort of like level. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I thought that was a bit like, uh, maybe that was a bit like janky right in by there. But um yeah, yeah, I know. I know they try and like brush it off by saying like, "Oh, you know, uh, you were you have been the first person to was it like die of hypothermia in a, a car fire or something?" You know, that was that was pretty good. I, I like that, but it's still like, ah, I I don't know. Like, I mean, I I can forgive the sort of like um, bad dialogue. It was it was a bit of bad dialogue. Like how the, the protagonist was written. In that he's yeah, yeah. one minute he's like quiet and mysterious, and the next he's like really jokey and charismatic. And he, I, I thought he, he jumped between sort of like character traits a lot. Well, he's, I think that's really a, um, that's really like this film is quite like a criticism of the characters. Also, yeah. These characters aren't as developed as like, say, previous for characters and like, um, the Bat in the Dark Knight films and all that. Mm. Even Cobb was quite developed as a I was, I was going to say Cobb, yeah. yeah. But with the protagonist, he's not. And maybe, maybe that's because maybe one of the, part of the reason he hasn't got a name. And yeah. he's just the protagonist. So I, I, I think that by giving him the name protagonist, he's meant to be the audience surrogate. That's basically what... Yeah. I, I definitely found 100% that's what he is. Mm. But also then you've got like... Um, like Neil is basically the handler... Yeah. Cat uh, is the um, well. She's she's like um, the the baddie's wife and stuff. So she's the female character. But it's just these. You could tell the tropes of like the James Bondish 
yeah. in this film. Yeah. So the protagonist is supposed to be like Bond in some way. Neil mm. is supposed to be like, you know, that fellow spy that helps Bond as well. He, he's a bit of like M, a bit of Q. You know, yeah, he's a bit of, yeah, yeah. A bit yeah. of like Felix Lighter. And, and, Lighter, obviously, I thought, and yeah. obviously Kat is like the female... Um, the Bond girl, yeah. Bond girl. Mm. And obviously then she's like married to like the villain and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I think... Um, Even like Michael Caine's Crosby was... Felt like it was like M at one point. M, yeah. And he was just I, giving him like I I didn't like permission. that scene at all. Yeah. What do you like about that scene? Um, I don't know. I just thought it was an excuse to get Michael Caine on set, and, and it, it felt a bit of like tongue in cheek as well when the protagonist said like, "Oh, I know, thank you, Sir Michael," and he like he smiled a bit and then turned around. Yeah. But I thought there was a bit like, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Maybe like a bit of like, oh wow, look, look, we got Michael Caine in the film again, you know. But again, I think that was just. Just done for exposition, you know. He's kind fancy of similar, restaurant, like, in you know? Inception, he's just there just to for like exposition. Yeah, but I think he served a purpose. Now he um, he introduced the character um, Ellen Page's character. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, whereas in this, he he um, what 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 did he do? He he um, he provided the fake Goya painting. I think was that was that what he did? I can't remember now. The fake Goya was in the Freeport, wasn't it? That painting. Well, yeah. No, wasn't that actually actual pop? The actual real. One? Oh no! Um, I think he provided the, the fake Goya to um, to make an introduction to Cat. Oh right. Okay. Okay. Um, let's have a look real quick. I, I like can't the, find it. The only the, with Cat's character, uh, I feel like Nolan yeah. doesn't write female characters well. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what was it in Batman? Like, obviously, Cat- Catwoman, um, and how it's kind of in the Dark Knight, and um, Marion Cotillard's character in Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. It could be a bit an exception in some way, but like, was it Rachel Holmes' character? Yeah. Uh, played by Katie Holmes and um, uh, Maggie Hall And she's basically like a damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah. And that's, bit, that's it. Hmm. Obviously, Dunkirk is hardly any female characters because it's all about. You know, I think the, the only um, the only female actresses in that film are like nurses on board the, yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah. hospital ship or yeah, something, yeah, and that's yeah. it. And they're basically like casualties, aren't they? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I I but, think that's just a failing in his writing. Like he 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 doesn't do character drama a lot. He yeah, does more yeah. plot and heavy stuff. Like, ha- and having like her cat having a child, you could say, oh, okay, so you can see why she's, a, you know, what, what her driving force in this film, why she wants to help and stuff. Mm. And like, you know, oh, Sato is like going to kill her and stuff. And it's like, well, you can't kill like a mother. Yeah. That kind of, you know, you, you get that kind of innocence. You're like, yeah. okay, he's evil because of this. Yeah. Because and of he's treating her. Do you think it's meant to be sort her. of like she's trying to save the son, and it's meant to be obviously like uh, again, like um, a bit of oh, she's trying to save like the, the children, the future, almost. Do you think that's meant to be there, or or is that a bit of a stretch? I don't know. That's I was quite interested yeah. in thinking about that because her one and only motivation is to save her son. I think that's like more of a mother thing, anyway. Yeah. Do like that's it's yeah. been done so many times in um. Mm. In uh, films and TVs, like oh, yeah, the mother wants to save her son and stuff like that. Yeah, like the, obviously the idea is like, oh, it's my child. I need yeah. to save him. I'll sacrifice my life. Yeah, for my child. And so um, 
uh, totally non-related, but you said you saw the first five or six minutes, I believe, when it's the the Kiev Opera House like yeah, attack. Yeah, so so I went to see Rise of Skywalker right uh, last Christmas in London in the BFI IMAX, and they had the first six minutes of actually I think they had the whole scene of um of Tenet, the first beginning scene of Tenet, the yeah. the Kiev Opera House scene. Obviously, no one knew what was going on. Yeah. It's kind of like, oh, you can't get it because mm. it's obviously ter- terrorist, like terrorists are taking over this uh, opera house. They're going to kill all these people inside, and then obviously the, uh, John Day Washington's character is part of this like SWAT team going in to, uh, to you know stop the terrorists. Yeah. So well, the only part of the film I, I get. Um, nah, I'm yeah. <laughs> well, uh, what um what what did you make of that? Like what what did you initially think was happening? Well. I thought he right. These terrorists were going to like kill everybody in this opera house. Obviously, there's no explanation why. And then John Day Washington's protagonist, he's part of this like SWAT team. It's going into Venus terrorists. I I didn't know he was undercover. What CIA? Yeah. And that's what I, 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 at my point there, I got kind of confused. Well, that's one of the points where like the, the sound was really so loud. I didn't know what was going on. Like mm. actually talking. They were, they were mumbling, and I was like, okay, what's going on? And then, obviously, when they cut, when they cut to the scene in uh, the, the, the train, like the rail yard and stuff, where they're torturing him. So he's undercover as a CIA agent with, what was it, the Ukrainian Special Forces or something, or SWAT? Um, yeah, he's, he's like, obviously he's with the CIA, but like he pretends to be part of the, like, yeah, like the riot police or like the counter-terror police or something so isn't it? obviously yeah. he, he gets that guy that uh, vip guy like yeah. um out and obviously he's they stop the bomb from going off yeah but then they who is it that the the, the the swat team or like the, the special forces they find out that he's not part with them hmm. so they torture him <laughs> yeah so they torture him. So, so the, the guy who's torturing John Day Washington, that's part of that. He, that's not a terrorist. That's literally a member of the special forces. Yeah, he's part of the CIA. This is, you know, obviously like this is meant to be sort of like a, an, an initiation to see if like these people were, um, well, if they were like worthy essentially to like become part of Tenet. But also, it doesn't understand why he did the, like, obviously, was it, were they trying to get him into Tenet before or it feels like, oh, this guy's getting tortured, and then he wakes up. It's like, yeah. oh, you passed the test, you're now in yeah. Tenet. That, that, like, that's okay. why, like, it doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, that much because, yeah. Um, you don't really know if the older protagonist has gone back in time at this point, or if he's like he's been killed or something. Yeah. You know, obviously, like, it, it's like a, it's a, a loop, right? It's like a perpetual loop where he has to be able to survive these tests and become part of Tenet. To save the world, to go back in time, to create Tenet. Sorry, sorry, no, to go into the future, to create Tenet, to go finally go back in time and train Neil, so that in the future, uh, sorry, that in the past, then the protagonist is trained by Neil. So it's like a loop, yeah. and it's a bit like it, it doesn't make sense, but then again, like it, it can't make sense. What? What kind? Yeah. That that beginning scene is basically like a setup of. 
like the character and like oh yeah. we've got to show this this like obviously he if he's the audience um, yeah so we go of the cow you know yeah then we've got to show him joining tenants and we've got to yeah. show him like oh before tenants yeah. and stuff like that I think it's it's primarily just made sort of like show his skills, like you know, yeah, when, when yeah, that, he's that, a bit of like, but basically, that's basically yeah, it. you know, he's he's a bit of a spy, like he, he knows like how to like fight and stuff, you know. But um, and he also introduces the action, like the kind yeah. of action that's going to yeah. be in the film as well. Yeah. So you know the the guy that actually like tortures him and pulls like all his teeth out. Yeah, Andrew he's, Howard. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a Welsh actor, and he, yeah. he always plays Russians. He played a Russian in Watchmen called Red yeah. Scare. Yeah. He was in, um, oh, let me get his like filmography up. He was, he's in Lords. He, he was in The Hangover Part 2. He was in Taken 3. He played like Russians and everything. He's got a sweet <laughs> Russian voice, hasn't it? Yeah. Russia. But he's in that scene, just, but he, he's just in that scene. So he's yeah. CIA. Yeah. Oh, right, okay. okay. Yeah. They, they, they're like secret handlers in a way. Right. So you know obviously Neil kills the the guy that's about to kill the protagonist. Yeah. yeah? So the guy realizes that he that the protagonist isn't with them. So he tries to kill him. Is that mm. guy then is that guy then part of the special forces? I think so. I, yeah, yeah. That part of the yeah. computer, I was like, so, like he he presents him with like the suicide, uh, sorry, the cyanide pill. Yeah, it's all a test, isn't it? Yeah, because he, um, sorry, the um, the the Russian guy is you know like the the torturer takes his cyanide pill, so it's almost like there's no way out. But then it's like, oh, you know, he finds that like other guys holding it up, so it's like, how far is he willing to keep his secrets? Because I think that's like a main theme of, of the film as well is um, keeping keeping secrets which you know are valuable. Because what did, what yeah. did like Tenet say? They say like ignorance is our ammunition. Yeah. You know, so it's like it, it's it's trust as well. Is and uh, yeah, the, the the, these like, friends keep secrets, but it's for yeah. their own good. Yeah, and also it goes back to you know like when you did you know in special forces you learn yes like how to survive yeah. waterboard and stuff yeah and, and like think about it if you're like obviously you're you know you're captured by a terrorist group and you know they want to like kill yeah. people and they're like oh give us like the coordinates or yeah. the the number for this and you realize yeah i'm not gonna tell you anything because my life the people my life is less important yeah. than the people lives but yeah. if, if you know these people will kill hundreds of people if I give them information and he realises you're sacrificing yourself exactly. and your loyalty. Yeah. For, for like and, the greater good. Almost. Yeah, and yeah. if you basically spit, uh, spill secrets just to save yourself, then you're like, well, you're disloyal. Yeah. You're not... You're a traitor almost, you're yeah. You're like a coward. Yeah. And that's, um, that, it's, I, a really, it's a really good test, yeah. but oh, you've got to have some balls. I, I, I'd say it's... Um, it. Like... Uh, it takes a lot of like... I read somewhere that, like, oh, you know, Nolan didn't want to have, like, loads of, like, tropes from, like, spy genre. But it's very optimistic about, like, spy, like, stuff in, like, the modern era. Because I know they say, like, what is it, like, um, um, no friends at, what do they say? No friends at dusk? Is that what they say? We live in a twilight world. Yeah, that's and, it, yeah. And, and it seems very pessimistic. But then, you know, like, at, at the end, you realize it's, like, these people, like, they're working with each other. 
and they keep so many secrets for their own good. Yeah. And, and it's like, everybody knows they're keeping secrets, but they trust them to keep them. I, I think it's very optimistic. Well, if you look at all these spy films, and, yeah. and like, you know, there's always going to be that group of people in that organization who are going to like have secrets, not going to say to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're in that other smaller group. There's a small, in our group, there's a smaller group hmm. that have got secrets that they, they don't share with anybody else in the yeah. organization. You can trust everyone else. You know, you could trust all these people you work with. Doesn't mean you have to tell them these secrets. Like, yeah. not, you know, it's, I say, I say it's above your, above your pay grade, isn't it? Hmm. So that's what I say, isn't it? Yeah. It's, um, I, I like the themes that he's conveying. You know, I, I yeah, like yeah. I like the world he's created. Yeah. In like Tenet, like the um, whatever Sato's people are called, they call them the antagonists, don't they? But like, yeah. Like I I like how you can tell like the difference between the goodies and the baddies. It's very traditional. Yeah. And it's, and it's yeah. filmmaking. And it's like, oh, they're Russians. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're the Russians, the baddies. <laughs> like. And I like how simple. Like they say what is it is it um uh normal flow of time is red and inverted is blue yeah i, I i've written like a, some notes here about um well like obviously what temple pincer is and what arrow time means so yeah the arrow time concept basically is when time flows in one direction yeah not because time is a measurable force but because that's how we perceive it uh entropy occurring all around us all the time hmm. and so entropy is the amount of disorder in a system and it can only flow in one direction so i remember reading an article where it's like fire yeah fire only goes in one direction yeah and oh, right. it's wood and it's wood fire doesn't hmm. go obviously it goes in one direction but you can't i'll say this you can't undo the fire unless obviously do you know what i mean yeah. obviously yeah, you can hold yeah, it down yeah. but it's not you can't like undo it like the woods already be burnt yeah. as well. The house. Oh, that's, is... that's interesting. Yeah, do you get what I mean? Yeah. And obviously, then the tempo pincer is in the run of the mill pincer movement, a force overflanks its opponents and attacks on two sides, concurrently stretching their defenses. That's the pin. That's the tempo pincer that yeah. happens but at the end of the film. The do, don't you think that's 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 really clever? How in in. In uh, you know, in real life, in actual terms, the pincer movement is yeah, like attacking your uh, enemy at two fronts at the same time to overwhelm them, so they can't you know they can't equally distribute their forces to defend yeah. themselves. Yeah. But in this, they turn it on its head. Instead of um, spreading your forces over space, you spread your forces over time. So yeah. you're attacking yeah. your enemy in the past and yeah. the future. Yeah. And it, and it's it's mind boggling because we're not used to it. But I mean, Christopher Nolan must exist on like a higher plane of um, a higher plane of being or something. Because to think of that, that 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 is really clever. That, that is like exceptional. I, I do want some of the stuff he's taken to get these ideas. I I would love if it was a sort of like a companion piece, like a novel or something, to go with it, set in the same world, like not even the same characters, but like the same world, because. Yeah, the, the more it's you... so incredibly like detailed. Yeah, and I think reading it makes makes more sense than when you're watching it. As yeah, well. yeah. I I think it would work better on paper. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if but, um... you do know, if you know, like obviously one hour time concept is one entropy, yeah, entropy is then it does make sense. Yeah, 
because I mean, obviously, exposition is much more lenient in writing because yeah, you have to tell like uh, in showing the the reader, you can get away with telling them a lot as well. Whereas yeah. in in film, uh, it seems a bit you know like uh, spoon feeding. It's like you're telling yeah. like the audience everything. Yeah, yeah. But um, I just found out something very very interesting. Um, so Robert Pattinson, he was um, he was chosen for his role in um, Good Time. Which is an, a brilliant film by uh, the yeah. Safdie brothers, and he, he based his character's mannerisms on Christopher Hitchens, which is very interesting. Are you, you, do you know who Christopher Hitchens is or was rather? I remember the name, but I can't remember who he is. I know the so name. He was a famous like he would write against like religion and stuff, or like he used to like support sort of like secular beliefs. Oh right, okay. Yeah, okay. he died a few years ago. Yeah. And yeah, like seeing like how he like um, he acted is very. Um, what what did he write? I might remember some. Books. Um, he wrote. I think one of his most famous was um, the God Delusion. Oh yeah, I know the God Delusion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, yeah, like I don't know. I, I don't know how he you know would channel that into his acting. I I think. He, well, he the put... actual the actual write the actual writers like the way about the talks he channels. Yeah, the way yeah, he... yeah. That's a, that's, a, that's a great acting. That's great research acting. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not really needed for his for the whole his whole character. Yeah. But it's just like, oh, why not? Like, yeah. And you know, your director, you'd be like, yeah, why not? Yeah. It's not going to affect. Yeah. Not or anything. It just. Did you um talks. seeing Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson? I didn't initially recognize him because of the beard. Yeah, I I knew he was in it because yeah. he was cast in it, and he was one of the first people to be cast in the film, and I was like. Who Alan Taylor Johnson's playing? I was like, is he gonna be like a, a secret character and stuff? Because I remember they never really said who his name was, yeah. And then obviously, he's basically like the third guy who also does a lot of exposition dump as well, yeah. But, but um, I, I talk about, I think one of the scenes where I was like, you know, when you're like, if you see Family Guy where Pete Griffin's like, whoa, 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 if you seen that uh, episode of Family Guy where Pete Griffin's like, whoa. No, like yeah, it's it's basically like oh, chill out, chill out, wait, stop. It's when, basic, it's when um the people, the Ante Johnson and his soldiers and his men appear, oh, yeah. and they um basically um they save uh what was it? They they you know they go into the red room, don't they? Oh yeah, and they, yeah, yeah that, that scene. And I'm like, everyone's talk. Everyone comes in and like, everyone's talking. It's like, what's going on? And then suddenly, like, oh, the protagonist got kneeled up against the wall and stuff. And then people talking, and it's like exposition just comes out, comes out, and I'm just like in the cinema. I was like, "Whoa, right, everyone just chill out." It's like <laughs> everyone take a breather. I don't know what's going on. Like yeah. this all just happening so quickly. <laughs> you ever had that? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like so, when I when I realised it was him, it sort of brought me out of the film. And um, Hamish Patel, right? He was he was quite good in um, the film Yesterday, directed by Danny yeah. Boyle. Yeah, I don't know, like. It's, it's probably because I know he's British, but when he's, he was talking in an American accent, they sort of, it distracted me a lot. You know, yeah, I, I don't know whether that's just me, but... Uh, it's because you say you say I want to speak in British. Yeah. yeah. Speaking British. British. <laughs> English. There's, um... I, but, but I think the way he introduced Anthony John's character is a bit like, it was a lot going on. Like, yeah. And then, yeah. and then he was explaining stuff to the protagonist. I'm like... Right, okay, this is all happening. My mind's literally just gone wiped. I've no idea what's going on. 
<laughs> and you know, yeah. reading through it again, I'm like, okay, okay. Mm. But I, no. I like um how they released sort of like behind the scenes stuff, and they were saying like they it was it was a bit of a challenge in making a lot of the fight choreography because they filmed it in real time. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I know like they reversed a lot of it. I know they they like to make out the you know they did it all sort of like uh real, but well, they did like do a lot of sort of like backwards movement. Yeah, yeah, and, and that must have been very well, like look technical. At the, look at the scene where the protagonist fights himself. Yeah, from like the future. Yeah, but like imagine how long it took to film that scene. Yeah, that that was it was impressive. I gotta say. When you first, um, do you know when like they go to the free port scene? And yeah. Obviously, they come into the room and it's like bullet holes and you know, glass and stuff. Yeah. And then, obviously, you got that. The, oh, what's it called? That that. Oh, the turnstile. The turnstile, and yeah. then obviously our character appears. Did you know that was the protagonist? Or you just thought it was like some random um, soldier. No, I I thought um, so when they when they fight and stuff, and he gets away from Neil and he pulls the mask off and Neil like looks up. I thought that um, Neil let him go because I, I was edging into. Um, I thought that Neil was a traitor. Yeah. I thought he was going to betray him or something. Yeah. But then I thought, like, oh, you must have known him. So I thought maybe he it was someone they knew in the future or something, or like, you know, like high uh, in like undercover. And that's why, like, you would have let him go because you don't see him, like, kill him. But he says, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, he got away and all that stuff. Yeah. I did, oh, no, not, I, I I did not think it was the same person. Well, that's what that um that uh, that you know that the, the turn machine uh, you, you yeah. mentioned um that's what makes it more like understandable because it's yeah. like oh if you go into this and you, it, it, you then go into the future you go into the past I find yeah. it very um like okay that's like the MacGuffin it's like okay I, I can understand more of the plot just by having like, that that object there yeah and I don't know how many there are there's like there's like three. Um, there's three in the film, isn't there? The, uh, yes, you got um, the one in the, the like the hidden city at the end. Yeah, you got one in the Freeport. Um, but then, like Tenet has got like like soldier ones. Did you see that? Yeah. Like, why didn't they just use that? <laughs> right? Like, do you know like, when they were saying like, oh, you know, we need to get back to whatever it was, like, um, like that free port to sort of, like, save yeah, Cat's life. Yeah. Like, well, well, why didn't they just use one of the ones with Tenet? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really understand. I don't, yeah. Maybe, maybe because, maybe because for, the, for like, obviously, in a time sense, it needs to be that place. Yeah. But that's just another question. Yeah. I, I want to talk I, about, uh, sorry. Oh, sorry, not after you go on. Um, I was I was going to change the the, the topic or something. I'll go um, on, yeah. So I was I was want to talk about um, Sator's character right. because that's yeah. quite like a big plot. And obviously, Sator is this Russian oligarch who um, played by Kenneth Branagh, who brings his Shakespearean acting skills to the fullest max, <laughs> playing this really over top Russian um, yeah. billionaire villain. I love yeah. it. I love it. It's it's it was a scene where like he's like shouting a cat, and I'm just like, yeah. oh my god, is this so over the top? And it... <laughs> it's um, I I don't know. I, I kind of got really into his acting, but like it took me like a, you know like a bit to sort of like get used to it. Yeah, I think it's 
it's hard to get used to it, I find, because this is by the same director who created Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. I'm not saying Sato's character is like, or Kenneth Barnes does a really bad performance in this film. He doesn't. But he feels such a, like a one-sided villain compared yeah. Yeah. to what Heath Ledger's Joker was. He's very one-dimensional in that. Yeah, so, you know, yeah one-dimensional. Yeah. And like, it's like, oh, it's, a, it's this typical Russian billionaire villain we've yeah. seen so many times in yeah. films what's, like, what i think is what we don't really like what the audience doesn't like about the character really is that the reason why the future wants to control him or you know wants to use him isn't fully explained yeah. then also he he wants to end the world out of spite and it just seems a bit like is that it like it seems yeah, very underwhelming it kind of it comes down to his typical plot of like the villain being like, oh, this world is one of chaos and disorder, yeah. and it, you know, like we need to destroy it. And it's like, oh, if I die, the world's destroyed with me, which pretty yeah. much pretty much means that like, oh, I just want to destroy the world. It's such a generic villain mm. motive, and it's like you know the idea is like, oh, he's dying of uh, what's it, pancreatic uh, cancer? Yeah, or that's something. it. Yeah, and he's like, oh, he wants to just take the world with him. It's like, okay, this guy's. Like, I can at the start, I was like, okay, I didn't. It's just like, a, why? Like, why do you want to destroy the world? And he realizes that, like, oh, humans, hum, you know, the future people want to destroy themselves in the past. So, because yeah. they make a better future. Well, and it's like, right, okay. Did you think the environmental theme was very ham fisted? In that scene where um, they say, like, oh, you know, who knows? It's because we're destroying the world. It's, I would say, yeah, it's quite ham-fisted. Uh, but I think it's just trying to like understand why the why Sato wants to destroy the world. Like, why why does the the why how does the future factor into it? The future people factor yeah. into it, and it does make it a lot more confusing. Saying like, like mm. okay, so the, he's got in contact with the future. Yeah, we have told him to to like basically destroy the world. Yeah, so it um. So they'll be able to overwrite the past. Yeah. So, okay, this is one the note I got down. So, Sato's plan is to use the algorithm to reverse the arrow of time. And obviously, we talked about the arrow of time earlier permanently, which means that rather flowing backwards, the people in the future will be able to overwrite the past. Yeah. It does make sense the way yeah. more of you yeah. look into it. But and the whole environmental thing is obviously like a trope that's always in like, you know, in like films and TVs, like, oh, the world is like... like There's a countdown, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's like, oh, the crazy guy from the future comes comes in, it's like something happens in the future hmm. and this guy time travels back into the into the present. He's like, we've got to destroy the world or we've got to halt this. Yeah. And, and the environmental things like, oh, humanity is like, how much destruction humanity is causing in the present is going to cause more in the future. Yeah. I would. Um, I wouldn't mind if if you just they just took out the whole future, future yeah, thing yeah. and it's basically talked about all Sato's just this yeah. maniac Russian guy yeah. who thinks it's like yeah why not yeah. why don't I just kill yeah. everybody? I, I think it would have made much more sense if like they'd. I mean, Looper, right? The the, the how like te- uh, time travel works in that I don't like, but they do in the film. They use they they send someone back from the future to oversee. Everything that's going on, yeah, I think they should have done something like that where, yeah, they kill off Sato or maybe he dies from cancer, 
and they replace him with this fella who's like maybe they in the future they find a way of like changing their appearance so he's pretending to be sato and it's revealed that oh you know like sato's dead i'm from the future or whatever that'd be good that'd be yeah. interesting because that's what, that, that what, makes sense why what, he needs motivation what his character is is the mix of looper yeah and but it's like a generic bond villain it's like oh i want to you know Typical Bond villains is like, oh, I want to like destroy the world. We see it yeah. so many times in like, you know, Spy Love Me, where even with, like Moonraker and all these these films, like, um, and like even Tomorrow Never Dies, and you know, yeah. it's like, oh, I just want to destroy the world because I'm evil, but <laughs> I'm gonna obviously there's a reason all because of the environment and stuff, and that's basically what it is. I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't mind if like if they obviously your your ideas really interesting hmm. but the only problem about that is like it'll make it a lot more confusing i think yeah I think that's yeah, why it's good for it yeah but like it's a, it's a good idea but like this i feel like it should just take out the whole like the future wants to destroy the past yeah want to override the past and just focus this on a on a russian billionaire who sometimes how somehow got access to this future device, stuff yeah future stuff and it's just basically wants to destroy the world yeah like the first the first time the who like Cold War with the future thing. I, I, I don't really. It's not that I don't understand this. I don't think it works and, very well. Unless it's all like, oh, we're gonna set up a sequel. I, I feel like this um, film is trying to set. It's it, it can set up a sequel, but I don't think it should. Be um, a sequel. If if it if it did, I don't think they should. But if it did, it won't be about um, the protagonist. It'd be about a different character. I think. Yeah, because then the sequel, like the ending of the film, does kind of set up a bit of a sequel. Yeah. In some way, yeah, because it, it sort of ends the protagonist's like role, right? Because, yeah, because they sort of like Neil makes out, right? He could be lying, but he says that I've never done this stuff before, so it could be that he's only just sort of getting into this whole time travel stuff. So it means that sort of like when the protagonist was training him in the past, this wasn't going on, yeah, or right. it was, but not like as prevalent, yeah. I, I, I don't know, it could be, you know, I mean. For for the sake of making an exciting movie, they could like I don't know, retcon some aspects. I don't know. They they could do like some interesting stuff, you know, like turn it on his head. Maybe like maybe there's more sort of like or like different types of like time travel or something. You know, I don't know. It's hey, um it's interesting. It, like having like all wise the future will destroy the past and that kind of that plot does subplot that does kind of set up for like a sequel in some way. Yeah, but it's weird, right? Because yeah, they try and make out as if like, yay, we won, but we haven't because like they make out that in the future it's meant to be like, you know, it's like it, it's shit, right. like the future's so, like destroyed. Yeah, so obviously, you know that flashback of young Sato and he finds yeah. that like device, device, the, the you know the the algorithm device, yeah. and apparently the future people left that in there for him because yeah. you know he's a chosen one, yeah. like. It's like, oh, you know, like a John Connor kind of yeah. guffin. I think he's just cut, cut that out because it was, it, was, it was just like, you know, as I said, like, let's get with the whole, like, the future wants to destroy the past thing and just have, yeah. like, Sato find yeah. this somewhere yeah. or maybe, maybe Tenet gets, like, I don't know, uh, broken into or something and, yeah. it's, and it's stolen. Yeah. Or, like, you know, like, what they say, like, this is, like, what's left of, like, the future war. And, and this stuff has come back, 
and we're using what's left of like this war where they yeah. managed to do it, you know? Yeah. Because the guy who created the algorithm, yeah, he or the person, the scientist who did it, they realized basically the Oppenheimer, I'm become death destroyer of worlds. Yeah. And that's that quote. And it mentioned Oppenheimer in the film. Yeah. And the idea was like, oh, I've created like the next big thing I'm going to destroy humanity. What I'm going to do, I'm going to separate it and I'm just going to spread out throughout the world. And I'm going to kill myself so that no one will be able to make, make me build them again. Yeah. That's understandable. It's free, isn't it? Or Eight, I think. But at the end of the film, right? Oh, so, there's three. Yeah, it's three. Yeah, because um, Anthony Johnson has one, and then Neil has one, and then, like... The Neil gives this one. stuff to the protagonist. Yeah. So that's so, basically Neil's yeah. plotline ended, because... Yeah, we know it, what happens to him, yeah. And if you watch Doctor Who and the whole idea of like River Swan, the Doctor's like, "Oh, your future is my past." It's yeah. basically similar to that, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty weird. I I like well, I I like and I dislike his like his you know his resolution is like end because it sort of makes sense how like th- this like friend of like the protagonist has like saved him like throughout the entire film. It didn't even know it. And like he's known him forever, and he's going to sacrifice himself. And the protagonist can't even say that he knows that he'll die, like in that like tunnel. Yeah, it's it's sad, you know. But I mean, I don't know. Maybe it could have been written a bit better. I don't agree with that because I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know the guy that died at the end was uh, took the bullet for the protagonist. Yeah, I thought it was someone else. I was like, yeah, when he looks down, he's got the the keychain on his bag. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's the same one that Yaz when he you know, he says like, Oh I've got yeah, something else yeah. to do and he's the one at the beginning and it's just okay, I understand, I understand the bit in the end where he knows that he's the one who saved him in um the opera house thing scene. Yeah. So because while what you like doing is when something's shown on screen, when the camera cuts to something like it's like, you know, maybe it's like a book or something or it's yeah. A drawing, or yeah, you know, I know what you mean, yeah, even like a bag or something. Yeah. The camera leans onto it, you yeah. know, that's going to play important. Is it, yeah, it's important, then, yeah. Because then, what's the point of the camera? Cut it, yeah, come and go in and take a shot of that object, yeah. I knew I'll play a part, and yeah, yeah. I, I totally missed it the first time around. I, I, I don't even realize how, how I could, could have because it's so important. Fair, but... So much has happened as well. You got like, yeah, you got, you know, it's. You pay attention to a lot of yeah. things as well, and and the thing is, watching the film as well, you tr- your mind's trying to make sense of it as well mm. as you're going yeah. along. So then your 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 concentration is not fully focused on the film as well. Yeah. It's also you concentrate you concentrate inside your mind while watching it, so you're not fully focused. Do you, do you get what I mean? Yeah, that's what I I felt when I was watching it. It's um, I mean, it's good. It's very. It's a very a pretty film to look at. The cinematography oh, yeah. is it's brilliant. I yeah. gotta say, like, um, I, I mean, f- forgive this awful pronunciation, but Hoyt Van Hoytema, Hoytema, yeah, he he's very good. Like he's worked on like other um, Nolan movies. Cinematographer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, he worked on like um, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and stuff, and he also did like uh, he did Her by Spike Jones. Yeah. Yeah. Very good film. Uh, Spectre, I mean, Ad Astra, meh. <laughs> but, um, 
yeah, I, I, I like the, I don't know, I like the lighting. I liked how it seemed very, um, I, I'm afraid to say muted because it wasn't. It was more like subtle lighting. I and think I like some of, and some some of the I think some of the great scenes was the windmill scene as well. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And also when they go to um, right, what are these? Uh, okay, we're gonna go into like Soviet Union <laughs> kind of more now. So those cities that right, settled yeah. from these. Okay, what are they called again? I know uh, what they are, but I can't remember the name. Closed city. So they're cities that were built built for what mining and Anything. industry yeah like and then they they wanted to keep a secret from the west so like they were like basically like not prisons but like if you wanted to like get in or, or out of there you needed like to go through like security stuff because they were like either working on like scientific stuff or like nuclear stuff so right, it was always okay, like hidden okay you know? okay yeah and that's where sato found um, yeah, the, the the pod or whatever it was. I, I do, I do. Obviously, I'm, 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 I don't like the whole like the future, like communicating with Sato and they're choosing him, to yeah, bring them into the past. Yeah, having it in like the context of the collapse of the Soviet Union and how like it's the biggest like one of the biggest like changes in powers in history. Yeah, and movements. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Because it, it sort of like it puts it all in sort of like perspective then, and it's yeah, like wow, yeah. like at that point in time, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody's thinking about it. Um, yeah, like, I I think I told you when we were initially doing our little discussion after we watched the film over you know a quiet pint. Um, I said I didn't like the um the, like the the flashback scene where he discovers the pod. I I don't like it at all. I reckon it should have just been a scene with the camera slowly zooming in on uh, Sato's face. Yeah, yeah. And his eyes are, like, well enough full of, like, tears or stuff, or, like, yeah. his voice starts to quiver. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it would have been him, more... Having him just, like, kill a, kill a, kill a man over the, al- yeah. over the algorithm, it's like, yeah. right, okay. Yeah. All right, it's no point. He shows he's just, mm. he shows he's just fucked up from day yeah. one. <laughs> I, think, I think that they filmed that because when it shows that fella that works for him that tried to steal the pod with all, like, the gold and stuff in it, yeah, it needed to give more context to what it was. Yeah. I think that's the only reason they included that scene. Oh, wow, okay. You know, it's like so that like the the audience knows like oh that's like the, the pod that's got like it's got gold and it's got plants in the future and all that stuff in it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the I, I, it. yeah, it's a pod, isn't it? It's all about. It's um. They they gave him the pod on the algorithm. Yeah, it, it gave him the means to to become the man they need him to be. Okay, so it, okay. it um. It had those sort of like documents in it. I think it was saying like, you know, do this, do this, do this, and you become very successful. And it included all of that gold as well. It's like it's like the it's like the Biff moment from Battle Future Two, where it's like all Biff <laughs> going down and seeing young Biff. Like, yeah. Okay. If you like, oh, it is. Yeah. Bet, yeah. It literally is. Like, <laughs> if you bet on all these races and stuff, you and the uh, events, you become a billionaire in the future. And it's like, okay, yeah. like who you call him, butthead, butthead, <laughs> butthead. <laughs> It's made so, like a tree and leave. So Sound like an idiot when you say it wrong. So, in obviously, time travel is like, oh, if you encounter yourself, then yeah. it can cause problems. So, the protagonist can't look himself in the mirror, in the face, face um, to face. I, I took it so that you can't touch, like, yourself physically. Oh, right, because... So, that, that's why, like, he's decked out in all, like, um, tactical gear. 
But if you're not touched up physically, then if he sees himself, that's not gonna no make impact. No, it might confuse the fuck out of him. But <laughs> so who 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 this dude? <laughs> yeah, who this dude. Look at his hair. Uh... <laughs> um... So uh... oh, yeah. Well, um, whilst you try to remind yourself, what did you think of the whole um, Goya like subplot? Right. Um, remind me again. What 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 Goya subplot? So, um, that was um, right. The the Goya painting was to do with. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The, the Goya subplot yeah. where. Where Sato has knows that Cat sold has this fake painting, yeah, and he basically has leverage on her, saying like, "Oh, if you go betray me, or you know, you you leave me, you know, and my son, yeah, then I can just destroy your life." Okay, yeah, it's it's basically there's nothing. This Goya plot is just like it's literally an, it's an excuse for Cat to help. Yeah, protagonist. That's that's basically what it is. Do you think it's a bit of like um an homage to the old like uh, classical heist films? Because obviously the only reason they go to Freeport is to steal the Goya, so it's very much like the old like you know heist movie, like like a Mission Impossible thing. What's um what's a painting called? Is it an actual painting or is it? Um, I don't know, but it, Goya is an actual artist. He was um, a Spanish Romantic painter. But um, yeah, like it was um, so it, it was a fake by a man called Arepo. Yeah, I'm not sure what the fake was of. But yeah. Obviously, I think it's just meant to be like a a fictional painting. You know, that's like it's it's commonly uh, thought of as legitimate, but it's not in this world. It's like it was done by uh, Arepo. I I literally just um, I literally typed in the Goya painting tenet. Yeah. And it came up with like Reddit and it's like the theory about the paintings. Right. So this wise person says, so at the beginning, the protagonist is being told that there were two forged paintings. One is owned by Sator, another is used by, by a protagonist as an excuse to meet Kate. Yeah. It might as well, Kat, it might as well be the same one. Sator's painting taken back in time in the end of the movie events that they given to the protagonist. Oh, right. So it, it, that's the same one. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, that's that's quite interesting, actually. Yeah, like, well, hey, well, I mean, technically, Neil could um, provide it to a repo. Neil could have just sent it back in time. Do you know the other thing about Neil? There's, what? I, I didn't think about this. That he's um, Cat's son. <sighs> Bloody hell! I know it's a bit of far fetched. Like, there's a bit of in- inaccuracies in this, but it's interesting. Yeah. It's like, um, whoa. I mean, it does sort of like. Give him more motivation, but I mean, I but then know. also, but, but then it's like, oh well, Max didn't meet the protagonist. So yeah, you'd think if it was his mother, he'd be more like you'd he'd be more willing to sort of save her. Yeah. Whereas in the yeah. film, he sort of only did it because the protagonist was. Yeah, you know, yeah. The protagonist so wanted to exactly. Do it. I think that's one. I seen his fear about it, but it's like a lot of uh, inaccuracies. Yeah, it's like, well, I, I think I think that's just cl- um, like clutching at string. Uh, yeah, sorry, because cl- Neil was this name called Neil, and it's like, well, who could he be? It's like, well, this woman has got a, a young boy called Max, and he's posh, and Neil, uh, yeah, is posh. <laughs> so they must be the same person. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's just. I mean, 
in in cinema that could work because obviously like it's you know like that's the stuff like that like coincidences happen but yeah. i don't think that's real no i, I don't think that's true the, the, Go- Ka- the goya painting could be true that's yeah that's that interesting um the cat's Ka- character obviously we talked about it before but so she wants to kill Sator yeah. so she can be free of him and that's why she helps the protag- the protagonist and at the end she's she has to go back in time yeah to vietnam like a place where they were happy once hmm. so she can kill him or like distract him yeah so he can compare he's got a death the death button or something isn't he? yeah so if he dies then the yeah. world blows up but it's really but... <laughs> it's really confusing or it's really disappointing that scene because the moment she steps back on the boat after like you know her past self leaves the boat you instantly know that she's the other woman that she sees j- jumping off the boat. And and then, by extension, you know that she killed um, Sato. Yeah, yeah. So it's a bit, like, disappointing, because, I well, mean... She, she, she did it wrong. She killed him, and it's like, well, you killed him before yeah. they actually got the bomb out. It's just like, but she killed him because she, like, had enough. She was like, on... Yeah. She, the world could have ended because of her. But she was, she was a loose cannon. Knew. He knew what was going on. Yeah. Well, I kind of like I kind of like how yeah. he's calling the protagonist in the present from the past. Yeah, that was that, <laughs> I was like, what? Okay. Does oh that yeah. Make sense? Does that make sense? Well, they're both from the same time, really, because they're both like future versions living in the past. Because on first viewing, right, the, I didn't realize you mean realize... protagonist and Sator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, because obviously, when like he says, like, what is it, like, um. Oh, you know, um, after I left the boat, I came back and then, like, he'd vanished for, like, a week or something. I, yeah. I didn't think anything of it. Because in the first uh, viewing, I thought that Sato on the boat at the end was the past version of himself. So I got really confused. But then I yeah. realized that was the version that got inverted and then went back in time. And he was there then because he wanted to sort of, like, be happy again. That was, like, his happy place. And that's how. So that was the end of his line. Like his is is like timeline ended there. Okay. It's really confusing. I know. Yeah. It's like, so she killed him. Sort of like, so it doesn't make any sort of like paradox. Really, she killed him there and got rid of the body. So there's no evidence. Yeah. But then obviously, uh, Sato was still alive at that time. He was just like he was. Va- um, his past self was still alive. Yeah. <sighs> Bloody hell! The Red Dwarf episode, like backwards time thing made much more sense I'm not going to oh, lie I've seen another thing about Ives' cat son Ives right who is the, uh, Alan Taylor Johnson's cat oh, like, no like I, I think I think the son that's because they're be... British does not mean yeah, they're exactly. the same person yeah. that's because they're British yeah. that's something they're related I, I, I just think he's meant to be a met- like the child is meant to be a metaphor for the future you know they're meant to save the child save the future isn't it that's, it's meant to be like I am um... I'm just going to give some theories now. So, uh, Tenet is about stopping 9 11. Uh, <laughs> Link was made. Uh, a while back, there was a theory making the rounds in the but the operation involved was about going back in time in order to foil the September 11th attacks. The link was made because George Tenet was director of the CIA at the time of the terrorist attacks. Whoa. Obviously, it's a biography about George Tenet. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose. Oh, yeah. George Tenet. Maxwell's Fault Demon. 
Oh, do you know about the full the full demon the the demon, not demon. Is, um, what, what's he called? Sorry, Maxwell's thought demon. Um, Maxwell's thought. Well, actually, demon. no. I'll I, I'll read it. I'll read it here. So okay. Easier. So tenets is heavily heavy. This is by the way on Esquire. So uh, I'll put these in the description in a bit. Tennis is heavy on quantum physics, but one scientific theory in reference is easily missed if you're not paying attention or an ownership of a PhD. Lol. <laughs> in the film, we see a significance of red and blue, most prominently in the climatic battle where teams are split into groups with these colours as a way to differentiate those who are travelling through time forward and those who are inverted and travelling through is backwards. Yeah, yeah, we talked about Oh, that yeah, red and yeah. blue. Yeah, we see the same colours in turn still scene where Cat is shot with the present version of Sattel in red container with protagonist, while he watches a past version of Sattel with a blue container with a gun held to Cat's head. This could well be a Nolan nod to Maxwell's demon thought experiment. I think it is. Drawn yeah. on a whiteboard in the background of a scene where the protagonist practices catching bullets. Yeah. Put simply, the thought experiment is a theoretical method of breaking natural constraints such as entropy by two isolated systems with separate with separate particles and laws changing if a door is opened to connect these two systems. Yeah. In the diagrams of the thought experiment, we see red and blue particles enter another system as we have the red and blue of the future and the past altering each other in tenet. Hmm. Where Damon opens the door between the two. Like, does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's like it's it's very. I th- I I think that directly is it, that directly influenced the movie because obviously you had red and blue and um you had red team blue team so they've all yeah. got sort of like red and blue band um uh patches on but yeah. also it's about entropy you know and like reversing yeah. sort of entropy yeah that's um I never knew that that's very interesting <laughs> we should talk oh, wow. about um. One thing we haven't talked about is the. Um... I can't get up now. It's the um, the Sattel Square Palindrome. Ah, we yeah. Am, we amble yeah. wraps up. So the the Sattel Square Square, square is a word square containing a five word Latin palindrome. In the film, each of the words of the square correspond to a plot point. So Sattel being Andre Sattel, the villain. Yep. Areppo, as in Thomas Areppo, the forger of the Goya painting, tenets relating to the organisation of the film's title, opera referring to the opening siege, and Rotus calling to the security company at the Freeport in Oslo, and the rotation of the turnstiles that either invert or uninvert people and objects. Yeah, so, uh... Uh, yeah, if you look up, it's, it's pretty much, mm. well, the first one is Rotus, opera, Tenet, a weapon yeah. saddle. Talking about Tenet, it refers to 10 minutes forwards and 10 minutes backwards. Oh my god, it is. 10. Yeah, so, so do you know the, the, the final pincer movement? That was 10 yeah. minutes forward and 10 minutes backwards, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, of course it is. Mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> That's really good. It's such a, it's such a, it, literally, if you don't want to know what this film is kind of about, then just the title explains it. It's backwards. Yeah. It's, it's backwards title. 
I don't know what other other what other um words are backwards. Palindromes. Um, yeah, palindromes. Like one words that are like backwards to one another. Uh, race car. Oh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let, me, let me just have a look real quick. It's palindrome. quite a lot. It's quite a lot, isn't it? Uh, let's have a look. Uh, famous palindromes. Ah, there you are. It's um, it's a really famous one. It's a, a well-known English palindrome, and it's, it goes, Abel was I, oh, I saw Elba. And backwards, it's... Um, what's that? Oh, that's, it's the same backwards and forwards. Another one is, A man, a plan, a canal. Panama. And <laughs> another one, Madame, I'm Adam. And also... Never odd or even. God, that's, that's, that's really, it's really clever, isn't it? I want to know where this come, came from, Mister the Saturn Square. I want to, yeah. Um, where, where is it? When? Where does it come from? Let's have a look, shall we? So, Saturn Square. Let's have a look. Do you reckon it's be good? Good to have a tattoo of it. I mean, there definitely is now, isn't there? Oh yeah! Imagine yeah. like oh, that'd be sick. Actually, can yeah. I just try to explain it though? <laughs> it's like it's not like oh I like what have we got? Oh I got no, like I, I got I, I, I got a skull. It's like oh I got the Sato Square. <laughs> I've got to do now. If I get a tattoo, I feel like I might get this. Yeah, do it, but and then I'm, <laughs> um, I'm on top. Do a spinning top. <laughs> yeah, a spinning top, a joker so, card. Um, oh my god! Face uh, mask or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. One of those like little like Polaroid little cam uh, photographs from Momento. Yeah. What? Um, Murph. It's like Murph or uh, yeah, Murph. Murph. Stay. <laughs> Stay. Yeah. I can't really find one like um, yeah. Wikipedia the history for it. For a Sato Square, and all I'm getting is like articles on on um, on Google going the hidden meaning behind the t- tenor title is like I know this already. Well, apparently, like an example of the Sato Square was found in Manchester, dating to the second tw- century AD, oh. has been interpreted as one of the earliest pieces of evidence of Christianity in Britain. Y- yeah, it's um. And it in, has like associations with Christianity. Yeah, and in Cappadocia, in the time of Constantine the Seventh. Oh right. Paul Virginius, uh, sorry, um, Paul Virginius, uh, from nine thirteen to nine fifty nine, the shepherds of the Nativity story were called Sator, Arepon, and Tenetun. Right. While a Byzantine Bible of an early period conjures out of the square. The baptism names of the three magi, Ator, Sator, and Peratotrus. Oh, yeah, the, the magi are meant to be the, the wise men. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. It's meant to be like, yeah, like uh, it, it works backwards and forwards because I think it's meant to relate in like the Christian tradition to like the idea of Alpha and Omega. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting, that is. Tenet. And obviously, like Tenet is like. Um, I, th- I think it means like a sort of like um, an object of faith. I mean, yeah. Like, or like. Uh, 
yeah, it's a name for dogma. That's it. So it's like the belief in a system. It always works well, doesn't it? It works, yeah. It works well. It's like, that's the thing that I like about, like, even like Jonathan Nolan can mess up Westworld at times. Yeah. He, like his brother, like Christopher, he can. Um, there's a lot of, like, symbolism, religious, theoretical symbolism. Yeah. Um, you know, f- philosophical symbolism and metaphors, allegories in the, in the well, both, both of their films and TV shows. I wouldn't be surprised in a couple of months later, there's still, like, stuff being found out about Tenet. Yeah. There's yeah. still a lot of secrets, and this is a film that, hmm. you know... Because you know, um, is it leader of Blue Team? Her name is a reference to a, uh, the name of a theoretical physicist. Oh, really? Yeah. Her name's Wheeler, and she's named after a th- physicist called John Archibald Wheeler. That's interesting. That's like a little hint references. It's like when we're talking about yeah. physics, it's good to name some of these characters after real physicians. Yeah. 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 I-, I like how, like in his other fil- uh, movies as well, like, he he makes like a lot of like. Uh, literary alg- um, allegories as well, like literally, re- uh, sorry, literary references. So that's, I, what I, that's what I was talking about. How like a lot, hmm. of, like the, the the Nolan brothers seem to have a lot of like religious, like religious literature, yeah, like philosophy yeah. references, metaphors I, in their. Um, I definitely stuff. say though they, um, oh, pardon me, they, they definitely do it much more like subtle or much more um, yeah or, organically into the plot. Whereas you have Ridley Scott who just like. Meh, religion. Meh, you know, like, God, well, even meh, like, this. What, Westworld Season 3, one thing I do like is the, um, is the Icarus yes. uh, symbolism. Yeah. yeah. It's not actually definitely in the plot. It doesn't mention, like, Icarus and stuff, but you can tell it's like, oh, this is yeah. where the story might hmm. be going and stuff. I, I'd say that the, the, it's definitely the inspiration of Icarus and Daedalus. Um, yeah. It's definitely very subtle in the plot. And I think, they, the subtlety is ruined a bit because they include it in the titles. But then again, like even the title sequence is pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like how it, yeah, it's like the further they get, sorry, the closer they get to the sun. It's like do you know when you see the um, the host when he yeah. touches its reflection, almost like the the David. Um, what was he called? Um, the divinity of David is that what it's called? Yeah. Like when when he touches God's finger. Yeah. That the skin sort of peels away, so it's almost like revealing their true face. Yeah, and then also, yeah, like the um, the eagle, almost almost like like in a wind tunnel, testing for aerodynamics, but it's like going closer to the sun. It's it's, it's beautiful. We need to do yeah. Westworld season three talk. Yes, uh, sometime in the future. Yeah. There's a lot. There's there's a lot to. Um, I mean. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, come back to Tenet. So, do you want to wrap up Tenet? Um, I mean, I I just got to say, like, um, I don't think the Hans Zimmer, this is like going to be controversial. I don't think the Hans Zimmer soundtrack for this would have been as unique as um, as Ludwig Göransson. I think what what he's created is is something very unique. Yeah. Well, I disagree on that only because (laughs) Hans Zimmer did a good job with the way he just go with like the timing the time like yeah. in Dunkirk where 
like you know the ticking time and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like he would have brought in maybe something different. Maybe it might be different to Grant's and the reversal time thing, but he bring in something very distinctive in the score of this film. Hmm. That's that's my that's my opinion. I'm not you know I yeah. wouldn't say that like Hans Zimmer do really bad. Yeah, oh, I don't no. think Hans Zimmer's done ever done like a bad score. Um, uh, I mean, I'd argue that his new um, Lion King stuff is quite anemic. It's, I, it's, it's not a rehash. as strong. It's yeah, a rehash, yeah. though. That's, yeah. that's the thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously I'm speculating, you know. Yeah. Hans Zimmer yeah. never really flops. His, his music is, is great. No. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to doing, because, yeah. like, Hans Zimmer and Dune is going to be... You know, fits that, together, that's what I'm it? looking for. Hopefully, yeah. it comes out when it does, but I'm yeah. looking forward to doing. So, gonna we'll wrap up um, Tenet now. Can we talk about sure. things? Where would you put this on your the, on the Nolan film scale? <sighs> I mean, this might help me decide. I think this is a strong. You know, like having slept on it, I think it's a good seven point five to eight. Okay. Yeah. So I think. It's not as strong as, say, The Dark Knight or The Dark Knight Rises a bit. Interstellar and Inception are great. I mean, I haven't seen Memento, so I can't really say that much. But I don't know. Like, I'd say like say, stuff like Inception, The Prodigy, Dark Knight's at the top. But I'd definitely say like it falls just short of those. Yeah. Right. For me, it's sitting around about, yeah, I would say a... Uh... I'll say an eight. Yeah. Actually, no, I'll, no, I'll give it a seven point five. Yeah, right. actually, yeah. seven point five. Um, it's it's better than Interstellar, hmm. in my opinion, but not as better as in, in Inception or The Dark Knight or Dark. I think it comes version up because people read some people don't like The Dark Knight Rises, <laughs> but yeah. It's I not think, as strong as Dark Knight. No, but it's it's on par with Dark Knight Rises, but it's better. Ten is better than Interstellar. Interstellar it's still a good film, but there's a bit few more narrative issues with Interstellar yeah. than with Tenet. And um and then obviously like in, in, in Inception's a bit more like you can understand it a bit more. Like it's a bit, it's a bit more like, you know. Narrative is a bit more is a, is more stronger, and obviously, Dark Knight is I think is Nolan's best work. So, oh, yeah. um, I think well, I'll give it seven point five because what I didn't like about the film was at times I think what really does does it with me is the sound mixing. Yeah, if the sound yeah. mixing was better, then it would have it would have um, you know it would it, you understand a bit more. So that's what Nolan my thing. Yeah. Obviously, with you. I was saying, go against what I said. Basically, like I haven't seen it. You've seen it twice, so you can score it. I haven't, so it's going against what I said before at the beginning. But like, whatever. But more, I like obviously read about it and stuff. I think it's seven point five. It's the narrative is is really interesting, but yeah, it's not strong and it's very yeah. The ways on exposition is not as well as it is done in yeah. Inception. It's um, that's basically it. Yeah. But it's it, you know, it's, no, it's, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I was just saying like it's one of those films which like. I'd say like seven point five doesn't sound that like it's not that great. No, but I, yeah, I definitely yeah. want to watch it again. 
because I yeah. like like the whole world. Yeah, I like the acting; it's brilliant. You can rewatch it again. It's great action, yeah. great performances. Um, you know, you could keep watching it because Nolan's like you know, knock no one out of the park. Yeah, nothing wrong with it. It's not. It's not a bad film. It's you know, it's not like a Dor Pacino in it. <laughs> God no, but, <laughs> far from. Yeah, but I think it's just like it falls under the same problem Nolan's done before in Interstellar. He's done yeah. better in Inception, but in Interstellar where like it's all like exposition as well, yeah. the way he handles exposition, exposition, which I feel like I feel like Nolan's films, in my opinion, aren't for the general audience. I think it's for people who like who like a complex complex plot. Hmm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I feel like if it was, if it was if this film was more aimed at people who like complex plots, like thinking, think like you know, like thinking like after watching it, like you know, kind of theories and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. Work. Yeah, but for, but and that's when you would have to do a lot of exposition dump. I feel yeah. a lot of the exposition dump is for the general audience who won't, yeah. who literally won't be thinking or hmm. have to explain to the audience is like. Because otherwise they won't get it. And do you get what I mean? Like, there's some yeah. films that we were talking about. Um, you know, I'm thinking of end of things. Another example: a film came out recently, really good. Hmm. Obviously, it's very strange and confusing. But I feel it's not. I don't think the film is meant for like a general audience. It's for, it's meant for a specific type of audience. Yeah, yeah. As well, it's like yeah, it's very cerebral. I'd yeah, say. yeah, yeah. And same thing with the Lynch films as well. Like, oh yeah, yeah. But you know, it's still a good film. I I'm still gonna watch it again in the future. Yeah, I'm I'm happy yeah. with it. Yeah. Definitely. It's it's amazing. Cinematography is amazing, the score is amazing, all that. It's uh, yeah. It's, yeah, I mean I just think that, you know, John David Washington is just like going up in the world really. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah. After like um Black Klansman. Yeah. He's, um he's you know, son of uh Denzel Washington as well. Yeah. <laughs> but um I don't know. I remember talking people talking about like how race, how diverse is like uh, Nolan's films. People complain about like a lot of like white actors in it, and yeah, in the, his films. I, I, well, I mean, you have Lucius Fox in the Dark Knight trilogy, and there's some other yeah. like you know ethnical characters as well, played by ethnical actors. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm going to tangent for that. So, um, yep. Yeah, so is that everything? Yeah, I think that's all. That's cool. So, uh, yeah, that was a really good discussion. I really enjoyed talking about it. Like, I like talking about this stuff because like, it, it makes you get these new ideas and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Things make more sense when you talk about it. Oh, God, yeah. It's all always, it's one of those films definitely you have to read about afterwards. So, like, mm. I would say that, like, or if you don't understand the plot fully, just read up, read the Wikipedia afterwards. No one yeah. will blame you. <laughs> I'll say that. So, um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening. Um, good episode as always. So next week we are going to be doing a back to going cases conspiracy, and we are going to talk about uh, the Dennis Nielsen murders. So if no one knows nice. about that, there's a TV show with David Tennant, a miniseries came on ITV uh, this week where he plays. Um, so it's about basically the the case for incarcerating um, Dennis Nielsen. And if you don't know who Dennis Nielsen is, he's a very, you know, um, well, I would say infamous yeah. um, British serial killer who killed um, young men 
and um, young men and boys in his London flat in the in the 1970s and early 1982. So it's going to be some dark stuff to talk about. I think it's our first true crime as well. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Thing as well, and we'll put we put a case of conspiracy as well if it yeah. fits. If fits well, one then do yeah. a series separate, but yeah. less about true crime. But I'm looking forward to that, and then we got some like we can do like some more horror films on the way right up to Halloween, and we're going to do a Mandalorian uh, season one um, review discussion before season two comes out. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. So we're nice little lineup going. Yeah, <laughs> nice little lineup going. Yeah. So uh, yeah, thank you for joining me, uh, Reese. Pleasure as always. And. Um, Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. And uh, what's the quote again they say? Um, well, um, what the twi- No, the twilight. Oh, uh, we live in a twilight world. Yeah, I and mean, you live in a twilight world, so yeah. No friends at dusk. <laughs> no friends at dusk. <laughs> right. See you there, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.